the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have got a romantic lovey-dovey episode for everybody out there. That's right, this episode is our special Valentine's treat for everyone who loves the Blast from Our Past podcast. (laughs) And we are going to be talking the 2003 film Love Actually, and you might ask yourself, isn't that a Christmas movie? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's also a romantic film. It is a you know romantic comedy. I would say John and I think of it as probably one of our favorite romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. If you guys listen to our uh, Christmas top ten Christmas movies episode, you probably realize we were fond of it in there too. Yeah. So we're like, there's no better romantic movie to put on for our Valentine's Day episode. So we're going to talk that one. We're also going to recast it, which. Don't worry, we're not recasting all the parts. <laughs> Holy God, the ca- the cast might take me as long as actually the break. Well, the breakdown is long too. Right. This is this is going to be one of our longer movie breakdowns. I have a feeling, mm. just because there's a lot of scene changes, there's a right. lot of storylines to follow. So, uh, and then to tie in some romance and dating, we are going to talk, and it won't be that long. I can guarantee you, love connection. <laughs> The old dating, that dating game, Love Connection. So, all right, that is the episode we've got in store. Excited to talk all things love. Uh, and so, yeah, we will get things going. Uh, John, this film came out in 2003. What else happened that year? So the film was released on November 14th, 2003. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week was Baby Boy by Beyonce featuring Sean Paul. Not at all a song I even have any recollection of. Yeah, once I hear it, maybe, but off the top of my head, no, it's not there. Yeah. Uh, Nielsen ratings uh, data for uh, in, into the 2000s is a little bit hard to find for weeks specific. Uh, mm-hmm. Best I could find, the most likely show that was topping the Nielsen rating, ratings would have been CSI. Okay. Which yeah, is a big huge. show. I watched that a lot. Uh, 2003 was the release of the video game Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. I had that on Xbox. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, there was a Prince of Persia version that was on an earlier one, but this mm-hmm. one uh, this one sort of re, uh, revitalized that and also mm-hmm. was the basis of the horrible Jake Gyllenhaal movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I, for some reason, saw in the theater and then instantly oh, wow. regretted. That's awful. Uh, the New York Times bestseller, Adam, you're actually going to know this one, was The Da Vinci Code. Hey, I didn't read it, but I do know it. I know of it. <laughs> uh, I also, have, I, I have not read it, but I did the, uh, did I read it? Maybe I did. I can, I've also done the audiobook. The audio, audiobook of The Da Vinci Code, all of Dan Brown's books, mm-hmm. the guy that he has that, that he does all the audiobooks for is really good. Okay. So if you like audiobooks, I, I recommend all those. Those are all good ones. Uh, and my fun fact for 2003, Robert Downey Jr. thanked Burger King for getting him off drugs. In 2003, with a car full of drugs, he had a burger that was so disgusting, it made him rethink his life and dump the drugs <laughs> in the ocean. <laughs> Ouch. Sick burn from RJD or RDJ. Uh, love it. But Burger King is not a good burger. 
it's not it's, it's not the best. Uh, sometimes sometimes I, I can really go for a, a whopper, but I have to be in the right mood, and it's not often. There's too much other. I don't care about like you know. I take off half, other stuff. I take off half the shit. <laughs> exactly. I take off half the stuff that makes it like you know somewhat appealing for other people, and then I'm like, well, then it's pretty much just a cheeseburger. Right. Uh, so yeah. I think for me, I think for me, it's the the sauce or whatever the sauce is the combination that they use on the Whopper. Okay, is pretty good, but I still have to take off the onion and the tomato, and sometimes mm-hmm. I want to take off the lettuce because I feel like yeah. they just put way too much lettuce. And also, I don't feel like they dry off the lettuce enough. They probably keep it in a uh, container in water because that's what most restaurants do with lettuce, uh, and they probably don't dry it off because it always feels like it's wet, like too gotcha. wet. Yeah. So anyway, that was two thousand three. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, guys. Well, let's uh, get into Love Actually. Love Actually, 2003, written and directed by Richard Curtis. Uh, this was the first movie he directed, but he has written, uh, he was actually was the creator and wrote for uh, Black Adder and Mr. Bean. I uh, was the creator of those shows, and so hence some cam the cameo by our cameos by Rowan Atkinson in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Richard Cur- Curtis also wrote Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, Bridget Jones's Diary, obviously Hugh Grant movies around yeah. the nineties. These were movies he wrote. So yep. some of the biggest romantic comedies of the nineties too. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, music was by Craig Armstrong. He also did music for Moulin Rouge, Ray, Must Love Dogs, Incredible Hulk, and a good bit more. And I was going to mention it later, but I'm going to mention it now. I think the score in this movie is absolutely wonderful. I completely agree. And I found myself really paying attention more to the score this time around than I think I had had ever done before in the past. Maybe it's because I knew this movie well enough that I feel like I didn't need to focus so much on Exact, like all all the acting. Like if something yeah. if something really hit my ear, I really listened to it. Uh, yeah, I found myself going, man, that was a that was a good uh, kind of a musical tag to that scene or whatever it is that mm-hmm. I I heard at the time. So I totally agree. Great score yeah. here. Yep, and a great soundtrack as well. Which you know we'll kind of talk about those songs as they pop up. But mm-hmm. great soundtrack, great score. So. All right, the cast and oh, what a cast it is. Oh, all right, give me some time here, John. All right. We're going to go through kind of in the relationship groups, okay? So we've got Prime Minister David, who is played by Hugh Grant. Uh, as I mentioned, he was in Notting Hill, Bridget, Bridget Jones's Diary, and Four Weddings and a Funeral. His love interest in this one, Natalie, is played by Martine McCutcheon. She was in Kitch, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and also an accomplished pop singer. Uh, she had a hmm. uh, few albums uh, on the UK pop charts. Nice. The Prime Minister's sister, Karen, played by Emma Thompson. You know her from Harry Potter movies, Sense and Sensibility, tons of stuff. Um, yeah. Emma Thompson is a phenomenal actress. And uh, her husband in this movie, Harry, played by the great R.I.P. Alan Rickman. You know mm-hmm. him from the Harry Potter movies, also Die Hard, Dogma, 
tons of stuff. We adore Alan Merkman. And then the kind of interloper, if you will, Mia or Maya. What was it? I don't remember what her name it was. It was Mia. Mia. I, was it? I think it was Mia. Sure. Uh, played by uh, Heike, Heike McCatch. I know I but butchered that one, uh, but she <laughs> was in Resident Evil, The Book Thief, and actually many German productions. I think she's a ah. German. Uh, and she that was Harry's secretary. Billy Mack was played by Bill Nighy. You know him from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, Underworld, lots of stuff that Bill Nighy has been in. Yeah, he's he's in. Um, I want to shout this one out. I know that you won't have seen it. Um, he makes a, a a very brief appearance in probably one of the most famous Matt Smith episodes of Doctor Who, oh, okay. where he brings. I believe it's is it Picasso. I think it's Picasso. He brings Picasso to modern times and takes him to an art show where they're showing his art. Mm-hmm. And Bill Nighy uh, plays kind of like the art n- person there. And and Matt Smith just asks him, you know, what is you know Picasso mean to you? And he's like, well, I think he's the greatest. And he goes off on this thing about you know what his art means to him. Mm-hmm. And so not not knowing that the actual Picasso is standing behind him because I think he was like he wasn't feeling good about his art and. Mm. It's it's a very emotional scene, really? and I constantly see uh, it being like thrown up on TikTok and stuff like that. Yeah. It's it's a very good scene. Okay, very cool. Uh, well, his manager Joe is played by uh, Gregor Fisher. I didn't really recognize anything else he's done, but it's been a lot of British productions, so he's done plenty of work. Peter was played by uh, Chewetel Chewetel Ejiofor. Uh, we've mm-hmm. talked about him multiple times. He was in uh, Serenity. That we've talked about, mm-hmm. but he's also in Doctor Strange and Twelve Years a Slave. Fantastic actor. Yeah. Mark, his good buddy, played by Andrew Lincoln, who we most people know from Walking Dead. Carl, Carl, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and the love interest in between them, kind of, is Juliet, who is Peter's uh, soon-to-be wife, played by Kira Knightley, and we know her from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, Bend It Like Beckham, Atonement, and many of younger Adam's fantasy dreams. John John's too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jamie is played by Colin Firth, and we know him from The King's Speech, uh, Kingsman, and Bridget Jones's Diary as well. And his love interest, Aurelia, is played by uh, Lucia Moniz. I know I screwed that one up. Uh, lots of Portuguese productions, so mm-hmm. not really too much other stuff. Not surprising. Exactly. Uh, Daniel, played by Liam Neeson. We know him from Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, Taken, Batman Begins. It's Liam Neeson. He's yeah. in tons of stuff. Uh, his son in this one, Sam, played by Thomas Brody Sangster. He was in Game of Thrones as Jojen Reed. Uh, he was in the Maze Runner franchise. Uh, he played 10-year-old Hitler in a TV miniseries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he is the voice of Ferb in Phineas and Ferb. Yes, that's what my kids would know him from for sure. Very cool. And uh, Sam's love interest, Joanna, is played by Olivia Olson. This was her first thing, uh, but she actually would end up having a reoccurring voice on Phineas and Ferb as well as and also Adventure Time. So Mm. that's pretty cool. Uh, And then Sarah is played by Laura Linney. She's been in Ozark, uh, Truman Show, Mystic River, plenty of stuff that Laura Linney has been on. Quick little anecdote. I feel like this is the best place to throw this in. So when they were casting this, Richard Curtis kept saying, I, I want like like a Laura Linney, like a Laura Linney, and he couldn't, and finally the casting director went, then fucking get Laura Linney, and he did. <laughs> okay. Oh, good. Turned out well. Uh, her love interest, Carl, 
Uh, it's played by Rodrigo Santoro, and he's been in Westworld, Lost, and he was Xerxes in 300. Yeah, that's the thing that always trips me up, because I think of him as Carl first, exactly. then Xerxes. <laughs> exactly. When someone like posted like a picture like a long time ago of like mm-hmm. Carl from Love Actually that is Xerxes, I was like, no, it's fucking not. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, okay. All right, Jack is played by Martin Freeman. You know Martin Freeman from Black Panther films, the Hobbit trilogy. He's an awesome actor. Uh, BBC's uh, Sherlock. Oh, that's right. That's right. He played great Watson. show. I, yeah, I, he played I still need to watch. I haven't seen it. Oh, so good. Yeah, pretty much everybody who has seen it and talked about it has talked about how good it is. So, uh, and his love interest Judy is played by Joanna Page. She was in From Hell, Doolittle, that recent Doolittle flop. Um, and a good few other things. And then the last person I'm going to mention is Colin, who is played by Chris Marshall. Uh, he was in Death at a Funeral and also a few other things. So mm-hmm. I recognized him yeah. when I first saw this, but I couldn't have I wouldn't have been able to tell you where I had seen him. Yeah, he definitely has kind of one of those faces where it is pretty memorable. So uh, the soundtrack uh, album reached number one in the UK charts for this album. We talked mm. about how good the soundtrack was, and it reached uh, top 40 on the U.S., Billboard 200, and also ranked second on the top soundtracks charts for the U.S. Uh, the movie itself had a budget of about $45 million, and it made $247 million in the box office. So this was a definite success yeah, in the box office. Yeah, I would say so. I can't remember watching this movie. I don't think I watched it in the theater. I think I actually probably watched this movie first when I was in college. So I went to, I went to college in 2004. Um, I'm not sure exactly when. I think I saw this movie with my then girlfriend at the time, or you know, in 2005, mm-hmm. I started dating uh, this girl in college, and I think that's when I saw this movie. Like we rented it or something, or heard it was good, mm-hmm. and and watched it that way. I think that's how I came across it. How about you? I honestly could not tell you how I first came to this movie. Yeah. I just remember uh, loving it when I saw it. Um, it's been one that my wife and I wa- have watched several times it was a dvd i've had for a long time that was a reoccurring one when we went through a period of not wanting to pay for cable so mm-hmm. <laughs> we you know, all we did was just kind of watch dvds and i really couldn't tell you when i first saw it i, I don't have a, a recollection it's just kind of always been there mm-hmm. sure uh and i do want to mention in 2017 there was like a 10 15 minute short uh sequel that they kind of put out for this one it was called red nose day actually and mm-hmm. it had a lot of re- reoccurring characters it was obviously made for the charity red nose day right i watched it actually um for this and it's i mean it's it's not necessary to watch it's somewhat cute and nostalgic but it's not like it's it's not a necessary viewing for anybody. right but yeah but red nose day it's a good cause so you know um all right so let's get started into this film. And like I said, this is I have a long breakdown because there's a lot of scene changes because yeah. there's a lot of characters and a lot of storylines you're following. So just buckle up, people. It's 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 a long one, but hopefully you guys are interested in it. OK, we start off at the airport with some narration from the prime minister uh, about how arrival gates, you know, amidst this world of so much, you know, divisiveness and there's so much hate going on, love is actually all around or love actually is all around. And um, the arrival gates at like Heathrow airport is where he feels you see that most often because people are coming back together from being apart. And that's kind of like the whole mentality of these arrival gates. 
And that whole scene is just random people at Heathrow. Oh. Uh, they had a uh, at what I didn't do it for this one, but at one point I actually listened to the director's commentary version of the uh-huh. DVD. And this opening part, he had a, a camera guy and just you know just like a small crew, and they actually were hidden in the back. Hmm. And anytime they filmed the interaction they loved, they would send a, a, a PA out with a, a thing to get the right to use that's, that's use what that I was footage. Get. Yeah, I was gonna be like, oh, I hope they, you know, got approval from the people to use. Their, yes, <laughs> yeah. So they, they just, they said, I think I forget how long he was there. They were there. I don't know if it was for one day, for like a few days. They were just filming uh-huh. people, and they were just constantly like, said, okay, go get those people's permission nice. or whatever, and Fair. sent them out to, okay, to get it. Because I, you know what, it feels authentic because it is authentic. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty cool. All right, then Billy Mac is recording a Christmas version of a pop hit he had a long time ago. And he keeps fucking it up. You know, he, he knows his song Love is All Around, but he can't mm-hmm. think of switching it to Christmas is All Around. I feel it in my fingers. In my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Feel it in my toes. Yeah. Christmas is all around me. I love this character. Oh, Billy Mac's the best. <laughs> he makes me laugh every time he comes on the screen yeah. in this story. Yeah, he's just, he's the, the aging rocker that we just fucking love. You know, he's yeah. definitely kind of a an amalgam of a couple of those other guys, but you just love him. Um, John, did you know that Love is All Around is an actual pop song? I did know that. I, okay. But like in when I first saw this, I assumed that that was the actual person who sang the song. Now, here's the thing. I didn't notice this until this time. He he never actually says that he released the original. He just says, right. I know the original so well. Uh, uh-huh. And later he does say, when we do a cover. So I don't think in the canon of the story, he was the one who wrote the original. I think they're just covering it okay. and changing the lyrics for Christmas. Now, when I first saw this, like so the first you know dozen times, I absolutely thought that that's what they were implying was that he wrote the original. Yes. But it, this time, I think, and I think they just didn't do a very good job of clarifying that, mm-hmm. but there were a couple things that were in the script this time or what he said that made me think, oh, huh. maybe they're not trying to imply that he wrote the original. He's just covering okay. the original. See, and I I, th- I still, I still, it f- does feel like that's the case. Like, the love is right. all around is his song that right. he got really famous for back in the day, and now he's redoing it. Right. But, so that song is actually by the Trogs, who you might know that they did Wild Thing way, way, way. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in Uh, but yeah, Love is All Around is their song. It actually hit number seven on the Billboard uh, Hot 100 and number four in the UK back in 68. Mm. So it was a pretty popular hit. And actually, this version, the Billy Mac Christmas is All Around, uh, charted in the UK at number 26. So of course it, it did. Of course it did. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, they, that whole thing about the, and, and we haven't quite gotten into it yet, but the thing, the whole thing about them having a Christmas number one, that's an actual thing that happens in the UK every year. Uh, oh, where they're pushed to try and get to yeah, the number one? Yeah, just to figure, oh. see who's got the, the number one Christmas song. Okay. That's actually a, a real thing. That's cool. 
All right, so it is five weeks to Christmas. We meet Jamie and his, I assume, girlfriend, maybe wife. I'm not really sure. It's not really clarified which one or the other. Right. He has to go somewhere. Uh, she's sti- sick, so she's staying home. All right. Daniel uh, calls his friend Karen, and we find out that his wife recently died. Uh, we then meet Colin, who works kind of for a catering company or some kind of food company. Mm-hmm. And then we meet Jack and Judy, who are movie stand-ins. All right. Peter and Mark <laughs> are at... Uh, Peter's wedding to Juliet. All this stuff. I mean, this stuff moves quick. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably didn't need to break it down this way, but I mean, that's how I do all the other movies. So. Right. David is a newly elected prime minister. He meets his staff, including Natalie, uh, who kind of makes a fool of herself. And I mean, we right. would say fool of herself, but he gets embarrassed because she curses in front of him. Curses in front of the new prime minister. Exactly. But you can tell he thinks she's kind of adorable because she is very adorable. Very adorable. Yeah. All right. Uh, so at the wedding, at Peter and Juliet's wedding, it starts going. Obviously, Mark had set something up, and there's a whole chorus that starts singing the Beatles, All You Need Is Love, as they start walking out. Uh, and then a singer walks out. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing you can say that can't be sung. There's nothing you can say that you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. And I will say this part always kind of bugged me because the singer walks out and Peter, Chewito Edge of character, makes it seem like, oh, oh, my God, I know you. Like, I should know that person. Right. Like, I was like, oh, my God, is this a big pop star? And right. for the longest time, I was like, wait a minute, is this his brother or like or something like who where's the connection? Like, how does this person right. know? Um, so I did look him up this time. So his name is Lyndon David Hall. He is a British neo-soul artist, so he did have a couple songs charting in the UK. So mm-hmm. he was like a, a you know, a, you know, British pop music star to an extent. Yeah. So unfortunately, I, I also looked him up because I had that exact same thought. He also passed not long after this movie came I out. I saw that 2006. Like, yeah, a few years later. Yeah, so very unfortunate. No, he um he had lymphoma, and ah. then uh, there were complications from a transplant that he got, and mm-hmm. he uh, he died. So. Uh, but then, all right, so back to the happy wedding and not uh, dead British pop star. Okay, back to the wedding. <laughs> People are popping up playing instruments. It's This part is not believable because the instrument person to me, I'm not a big, you know, I, I don't play anymore. But, like, these people are, like, on the move and you're telling me that they're intonation is that perfect like the right. flute people who stand up and they're doing the run da, 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 like in the flute sound and i'm like that is perfect intonation there's no right. way that they're going to get that sound as they're moving and they're standing at the same time and all the in the trombone people and all this stuff but it's cute okay it's cute it's a movie yeah so <laughs> all right uh jamie gets home uh, i assume jamie was at this wedding anyway he gets home from the wedding and his brother's there at the house and it's like oh okay all right well just you know I guess his girlfriend let him in. Okay. And then the girlfriend utters a line, uh, something to the extent of, Hurry up, big boy. I'm naked and I want you at least twice before Jamie gets home. Oh, shit. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jamie's brother had been fucking his girl. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right. Uh, at the wedding reception, Colin, who's working the reception, uh, tries to hit on someone, who and it fails miserably. Uh, yeah. But he's kind of dogging the food. But and the person who he's hitting on is the caterer. So yep. 
fucks him over. Uh, and so he decides, you know what? These British girls are too stuck up. He needs an American girl, you know? And I I really like his conversation with his friend. Um, I can't remember the friend's character's name. Right. Um, might be Troy or something like that. But Colin talks about his, oh, yeah, if I go there, I could slay. You know, I can get all these ladies because I have a cute British accent. And the guy's like, you don't have a cute British accent? He's like, yes, I do. Like, he's got, I mean, that's the thing is, <laughs> It works. You know, I mean, it's exaggerated in this movie, but I'm not going to lie. Accents do work. They, they're they adding oh, yeah. intrigue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, on the on a movie set, Jack and Judy, you know, they said they're stand ins. They're doing a they're standing in for a nude scene. And so uh, Judy has to take her top off. And then Jack is instructed to put his hands on on her chest and rub them and things like that but it's just kind of funny because they're in these awkward positions and they're just trying to make small talk and you know act like it's a non nonchalant thing because mm-hmm. i guess that is their role is what they do so uh at a funeral for daniel's wife joanna so this happened very recently uh yeah. she must have died i would assume within a week or two right from this spot so yeah she just died um it's also sam's mother so daniel is sam's stepdad who now is yes. in basically inherited the kid yeah we have a fo- she wanted a photo montage of her set to bye bye baby by the base hitter rollers which i do really like this auditory transition because it cuts the, so- the song plays and then they cut from that to the wedding reception that we were at earlier and the same mm-hmm. song is playing. Yeah. And so it's kind of, a, yeah, it's a nice little transition there, just using your ear to do so. At the wedding reception, Sarah asks Mark if he loves Peter. This is why, because he was kind of staring down Peter and Juliet. And so mm-hmm. she just kind of asks him and he denies it. So she just wanted to check, which I think is a valid question. Mm-hmm. So the next day we meet Harry and his secretary, Mia, uh, Sarah works there as well, so he calls her out. He's he's the big boss of whatever this company is. He right. says they have. De- I know they have designers because Carl's the designer. What else does the company do? I have no fucking idea. Right. It, <laughs> so whatever. But he's uh, you know he's the big boss. So he is talking to Sarah and kind of calls her out for loving Carl, um, who also works there. And you know, did, lets her did know. you get awesome flashbacks like I did every time he said Carl and made you think of Die Hard? No, no. Oh, because of his his friend Carl, the big yeah. Because all I, all I could hear this whole time was Hans Gruber saying Carl. Hans, that's funny. I didn't. I did not think of that at all. But I like that. But yeah, he wants her to do something about it. You know. So all right. And on the radio, we hear Billy Mac's song playing again. Another auditory transition. We then cut to inside the radio station, and Billy is going to be doing an interview uh, about the song, which goes phenomenally i mean yeah again this is one of those the billy mac you know or bill bill nye he steals the show you're right every scene he's in i'm just gripped i want to watch more of that character yeah so yeah because he has this interview where he he's basically just telling it like it is and we love him for it he's like a a dream guest for a radio host because the guy's not holding back on anything yep all right it is four weeks to christmas and the prime minister and his cabinet are uh, prepping for a visit from the president. You know, they want him to stand up to the U.S., uh, who apparently is a bit of a bully, and he doesn't. he's not ready to do so. He, he recognizes that the U.S. is the strongest country, and, you know, we just need to sit back and relax for now. Um, but 
We can also tell that he really likes Natalie, um, but he's afraid to say anything to her just in this scene. So we cut to Jack and Judy and they're fully naked for their scene and they're just continuing small talk. Overall, it's awkward, uh, but it's cute between them. Mm -hmm. All right. Colin bought a ticket to the United States uh, to a fantastic place called Wisconsin. (laughs) Yeah, Wisconsin babes. (laughs) And for... For the American who watches this movie, it's just, you don't, when you think of babes, you think of Florida, California, right. you know, something like that. And he's going to Wisconsin of all places. But well, you know he what? doesn't know. He's, he's from England. Yeah. He, he that's what, I think, I think that's what makes it charming. Exactly. Um, but of course, I mean, there's totally babes in Wisconsin. Absolutely. Mm. There's babes everywhere. Yes, there are. But he's just he's excited to get things going and talk to his friend about getting out there. So, all right. Uh, Harry tells Mia to set up who is his secretary or assistant or whatnot, um, tells her to set up the Christmas party. And she flirts pretty hard. She's dropping (laughs) hints to him. She is not subtle. No. Yeah, she is definitely one of the villains in this movie. I would say so. Karen and Daniel talk about Sam you know, he we just find out that, you know, he's in his room all the time and Daniel's having trouble connecting with him and whatnot. And so we cut to them talking on a bench and we find out that Sam, he's in love and a great little, I mean, Sam's one of those kind of classic, I, and I feel it happens in romantic comedies where a young, a, a young child is wise beyond their years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we've seen it in, I don't know, I think it was bits of like, um, uh, sleep in Seattle and some other stuff like that. But so she, he's wise beyond his years. And, you know, Daniel's at least happy. He thought it was worth so, that. He was very, very sad about his mom. Um, but Sam's response is worse than the total agony of being in love. What could be worse than the total agony of being in love? I mean, that's a very, <laughs> very nice little line from a kid. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Uh, Sarah struggles to talk to Carl um, gets, you know, a call and you know, we also see that she's getting calls on her phones very frequently. Someone keeps calling. We're not really sure who that is right now, uh, but it's someone that she feels compelled to answer every time it calls. So uh, Jamie, who is a writer goes to a countryside cottage in France uh, to write. He's writing some book. He is uh, alone. Um, obviously the brother and girlfriend fucking each other thing (laughs) that didn't end well. Uh, so then we cut to the prime minister who finally gets to, gets to do some small talk with Natalie. And we, he finds out that she recently broke up with someone, uh, because you know, someone was not very nice person. They said that that person was starting to call her fat. And I'm like, you kidding me? She's this this woman. I mean, she's, she's not a twig, but she is like. A lot of British, you know, I think a British, I think British twig, unhealthy twig. Right. Um, she has not even like, you know, she's not meaty bones. She has a small, thin, but like has some curve nature to her. Right. Like there's there is no chubbiness. I don't understand this angle that they put onto her at all because she is not chubby in the slightest. No, I I think. She does have a slightly rounder face. Yes, I'll, yeah, I, I'll give you that. I think that's really the only thing they're playing to because they don't really. Okay. Most of the time we see her, she's wearing like fairly loose clothing. Now, granted, it's supposed to be at Christmas, so you would imagine yeah. to see her like people wearing coats and she's wearing mm-hmm. suits and stuff like that where she's at work. So they don't really show off her figure so much. Kind of in the in the skirts where there are things you she, she has maybe rounder hips, but even then mm. you you don't you just it's she's just 
curvier than the rest of them. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't I don't know. at all. Never would have associated it as she's fat or anything like that. But yeah. So whatever. It, that was a weird choice, but uh, but I do like the uh, prime minister's joke that he says, "Oh, I can I can have him murdered." You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. It's cute. So all right, cute is a word I'm going to say probably a hundred times. Right discussing this and i'm sorry guys that's just how it's gonna go all right uh daniel talks to sam about you know his love you know about joanna and whatnot and i do like his again another great line for him at the end you know basically says sam basically you're fucked (laughs) because he's in love and so yeah uh billy mack he's on a show promoting his single uh and the hosts of the show are ant and deck Uh, i can't remember their real names but they're british hosts they host Pop Idol, which is their American Idol, and they, well, yeah. they they started it off. Um, X Factor, among I think a whole slew of other things that these two host. Well, they've also they've also been TV hosts and actors for a long time. Okay. And actually, Richard Curtis said in the thing that he got more credit from the UK audience for actually having Ant and Deck in the movie than anyone else who was in the film, <laughs> but no credit in the US because nobody here knows who the fuck they are. Mm-hmm. That's funny. So uh, Billy, who is like, you know, on the on the show, is fucking with a poster for some pop band, a fake pop band called Blue. Um, and they're competing for this number one spot, you know, on the British Christmas charts. It makes it say it has a little sign. It makes it say we've got little pricks. I think this is hilarious. And then he gives a message to the kids. Here's an important message from your Uncle Bill. Don't buy drugs. Become a pop star, and they give you them for free. And I do believe. Awesome. I mean, this, every time this guy's on the on camera, I love him even more. Yeah. So, and all the while, while he's kind of, it seems like he's going off the deep end. His manager is just distraught with the antics. He's like, "Oh God, we're all fucked, basically." Right. <laughs> so, you, yeah, you see him worrying. All right, we cut to Mark on the phone with Peter, and then Juliet pops onto the line, and she mentions that the uh, wedding photographer that they had, the videographer, all their footage was crap, and she saw that he had a little camera going, and so she wants to try and find his footage. She just wants, you know, a good-looking shot of her in her wedding dress. Um, And he acts all aloof about it, and, you know, hey, I'm not sure if I even have it, and she she honestly thinks that he doesn't like her, and that's Mm -hmm. because he's been standoffish always as a friend, it seems, and so she is... um, you know, she's that's what she seems to be worried about. All right. Harry talks to Mia about the Christmas party venue, which she says will be at an art gallery. A friend works there, which we know is Mark. Yep. And she says it's got it's uh, full of dark corners for doing dark deeds. And then she spreads her legs ever so suggestively. <laughs> so, yeah, she is, uh, again, not doing anything subtle. No. In this slightest. So, all right. Uh, Jamie gets a uh, cleaning lady at his uh, cottage in France, Aurelia, and she only speaks Portuguese. And we see him like driving her home and their their miscommunication. You know, it's great for the audience because we can see what one person is saying and we can read. We can understand Colin or not Colin, Colin Firth, but uh, we can understand Jamie's character and we can read what she's saying. And it's like they're going Two opposite di- directions, basically, with their conversations, but it's just kind of funny. It is, but I gotta say, for me, this was the most cringiest relationship oh, out really? of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I had a I had a hard time with this one. Just, just, just with just with the writing, it was like too cringy for me. Gotcha. For me, the cringiest is the is 
Mark, Mark, and Juliet. I would think that would if, be a close second. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, oddly enough, I I would normally I would have said Colin, but his was just stupid and fun. Yeah, exactly. It's just stupid. It's He's not, horny. not quite. But it's, yeah. But as yeah. as the as far as like the relationship, as far as the dialogue for the relationship went, mm-hmm. this one like kind of got me a little cringy the most. Sure. All right. Uh, so the U.S. president comes to England to talk to the prime minister and whatnot. They, um, we definitely see. Oh, well, one is played by Billy Bob Thornton, <laughs> and I think it's a great casting choice. Actually, it is. So this is the time when uh, W was president, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's you know they're not doing an exact one to one with George no. W. Bush, but um, I do think it's it's not terribly far off. No, but I think he also threw a little bit of Clinton in there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Not to say that Natalie, the the character, has some Monica Lewinsky-esque look. Right. But I think, I think there is I think there is that connection as well. Yeah. So, but yeah, he's he's a bully and he's a dick. Um, in, neg- in negotiations, you know, he holds firm on a stance and basically, you know, David just kind of has to back down. Uh, but later, it's just the two of them, David and the president, talking and so David steps out for something and Natalie is going into you know serve scotch or whatever to to them and when David returns the president is basically moving in into her onto her neck or something he's about to try and go for like a maybe not a hickey but like maybe nibble her ear or some shit like that so it's awkward definitely shows that the president can be a creep because it's also established that he has his wife who did not come with him Mm -hmm. Uh, America doesn't well I'll just say America doesn't get a good rep, but then I think about Colin's time. Um, So (laughs) America, it's either, you know, it's either like the best place with the hottest ladies and it's super cool and fun or they're a bunch of assholes. Right. (laughs) Back and forth. So, yeah, David is not a fan of seeing the president kind of do this to uh, the lady that he likes. And so at this press junket. The prime minister stands up for the U.S. and he's got a nice little speech here. I think this this is a wonderful little speech where he defends his country and mentions yeah. that he is going to be a stronger person in front of the president from now on. Yeah, I agree. And all the British people in the room fucking love it. You know, it's it's something. It's the kind of thing that you do want to see from your leaders. Is it realistic? No, no. <laughs> but it's kind of like the ending speech from the American president. It's not. Uh, it doesn't have the same weight. But uh-huh. it's that same sort of thing where, like, he has to make a decision when he does. You could see it in the staff, like, oh, mm-hmm. we're actually doing this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's a good. Uh, Similar comparison. emotional moment, maybe. Mm-hmm. Just sure. a little, just more aloof yeah. in this case. Sure. All right. Karen and Harry are home, and she's listening to Joni Mitchell just setting that up. All right. Move over back <laughs> to the prime minister. He listens to Jump by the Pointer Sisters. And he's all on a high right now because the whole country's liking him because he stood up and yeah, we get a very cute, I mean, you could say cringy a little bit, but a very cute, see, this is a trailer esque scene yeah where you get uh hugh grant as the prime minister dancing across all around you know the prime minister's house and whatnot to jump and it's it's just it's just adorable he gets caught by one of the staff members at the end it's funny 
The original plan was actually that they were just going to let the song run from the beginning until when it screeches to a halt when he turns around. Uh. But during one of the takes, that actually that particular take when he's spinning around and then gets caught by the by the uh, staff member, he started mouthing the words at that were playing at the time. So they had to make a cut in the actual uh. audio to sync that up because it was too fun of a moment. To mm-hmm. not use. It's a great. It is a great moment. I love. Yeah, when you're he's kind of facing the camera. You're right, and then he finally sees the staff and he's like, oh, he just stops immediately. <laughs> and his body That's language funny. is awesome too. Just mm-hmm. the way he comes out of the dance into it, just kind of oh hey yeah yeah <laughs> exactly finger guns yeah. <laughs> All right, we are two weeks from Christmas, and Jamie is still not communicating well with Aurelia. Uh, humor back and forth. You know, as I mentioned, it's all in the. In, the, the, the different paths that they're talking and all this kind of stuff. She brings him coffee while he's outside writing and she picks up a cup that was uh, used as basically used as a paperweight and all of his papers from the, like half the book, as he says, is flying into the air, goes out into like this, this lake or pond that he is, you know, right with uh, at or right beside. And now Aurelia who, you know, feels bad is now having to try to rush and grab these these uh pages and so she has to jump down into the pond she takes off her clothes every she strips down to her underwear and you know you kind of get some pov style shots of say what what jamie's character is looking at an mm-hmm. attractive lady absolutely uh and so she jumps into the water to go after the pages and now he feels he has to as well to not look like an idiot uh, and it just ends up being kind of like a funny scene of like oh wow they they did all this which even in 2003, use a laptop, bro. Right. <laughs> that, I had that same thought. Use a fucking computer. The, yeah. the water in that scene was actually only 18 inches deep in real life. Oh, okay. So they were actually mostly just dragging across the, the bottom. Uh, uh, but apparently it was uh, pretty mosquito infested, and they got oh, a lot. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, if it's like short water like that, yeah. Ugh. I hate mosquitoes. So. All right. Um. Again, yeah, more language miscommunications. You know, they're being dried off. They have that same kind of miscommunication humor. Uh, they play like kind of almost charades to do some conversation, some communicating. But again, and but through these subtitles, we also kind of find out that they actually like each other. They both, well, we knew he liked her, but now we find out that she likes him back as well. Mm-hmm. But they don't know that about right. each other right now. Because they can't communicate. Yeah. Womp, womp. Even though, I mean, like, I'm sorry. Some certain words like yes and no, like I can tell in almost any language, like even just the body right. language or context, you can figure things out. And in Spanish or Portuguese, we all know see, and I right. think no is probably also no. Like there, there is some words that kind of can that are similar enough because actually in Portuguese, no is now, now, okay. but it's close, it's close it's enough. Close. I, I think it can get also, figured out. Also, them living in Europe, they should be at least more aware of languages yeah. around them and would at least be able to know some of the basic ones, like yes, no, mm-hmm. a few other ones, something like that. I would have yep. I would have assumed. Yes. But they do it is, I would say, uh, you know, a bit unbelievable that zero communication seems to be happening. Right. <laughs> there should be some. So, all right, but anyway, uh Mark gets a visit from Juliet and she's coming as we mentioned to look for the footage and you know still she doesn't think that 
he likes her you know thinks she she he is not fond of her at all um and then she does find the tape uh and pops it in to take a look at it and he's just kind of standing nervously in the background you know and she sees and notices that it's all footage of her it's all tight shots of her and i saw that little camera that he had no way you would have gotten the quality on that fucking tv i was gonna say the exact same thing it's like the quality was way too good for that tiny little hand cam from 2003 exactly exactly it was a handy cam it was a little handy cam and those things are terrible quality um but it was crystal clear you know and also really nice tight zooms also not shaky at all right he was not using a tripod (laughs) but Whatever. Maybe he was the tripod. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I'm see because it's penis and he likes her. And, okay, I got it. Thank you. <laughs> so, but anyway, she uh, Juliet realizes that he is actually in love with her, and you know, Mark nervously leaves and has to go. You know, he we leaves his apartment and walks and very dramatically. Uh, Here with me by Dido plays as he's kind of walking alone on the streets. All right, the Prime Minister uh, David asks one of his staff to put Natalie elsewhere, and he or she, this, this other staff member kind of mentions, like, oh, is it that, that chubby girl? Again, I just didn't like it. I didn't think it was necessary. It didn't make any yeah. sense to me because you look at her, she ain't chubby. She ain't yeah. even close to chubby. So, But, yes, maybe it's the round face is the aspect. But I do, I, I do love the Prime Minister's response. Ooh, would we call her chubby? Ooh, would we call her chubby? Yeah. So... <laughs> Anyway, uh, Sam tells Daniel that, oh, no, he's upset. The love of his life is going to be moving back to America. She's an American girl. And pretty much at you know the end of the semester, she'll be going back to uh, America to America to you know make him feel better. They they need Leo and Kate. And so <laughs> they get they need Titanic. So they do that and they talk. And, you know, Sam just kind of mentions this. This girl's the one, you know, this is this is the one for her. It's it's cute kid love you know i mean but yeah. even then what's this 12 he's 12 right. i mean none of us were thinking about love at 12 but i guess he's a no. hopeless romantic how about yeah. that jamie leaves um to head back to england and he drops aurelia off in the city and you know again communication that they both you know like each other but they don't know and can't tell because of communication she does give him a quick kiss as she leaves and so now he's just like, oh, okay, wait, does she like me? So, all right. Billy Mac performs his song in a music video. We see that in a very Robert Palmer, simply irresistible style. Yep. Very much a parody on that. Um, and Sam decides he wants to learn drums because girls love musicians. <laughs> and that's the way to win her heart. And uh, would you say your drumming is what uh, got you all the ladies, John? All the ladies? No. The most yeah. important lady? Yes, actually it did. Gr- great answer. Yes, it did. Cuz I never I never would have I never would have met her without it. Very true. All right. Perfect answer. Yeah. And we kind of cut to him practicing drumming. Now, granted, we are at 2 weeks <laughs> till yes. Christmas right here. Okay? This is a very unbelievable spot to me, all right? <laughs> he is practicing starting drums right now. 2 weeks before Christmas. Okay, just keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We cut to the company Christmas party, which is happening at that art gallery that Mark worked at or works at. 
Mia. She's wearing little devil horns. Okay. <laughs> she's. I mean, she's really not hiding. Oh, really not hiding. Uh, and she uh, coaxes Harry onto the dance floor with her while Karen is also there, but Karen's elsewhere. Mia basically flat out tells Harry that he can be with her anytime he wants. So uh, we cut to the prime minister who's watching Billy Mac on TV, who promises to sing a song stark naked on Christmas Eve on TV. If his sales go up and he wins the Christmas number one. So he's I mean, just adding a little incentive. If you that, will, that's a way to, that's a way to, to boost your sales. Absolutely. Uh, back at the holiday party, Karen talks to Sarah then Carl comes over and asks Sarah to dance. And it, you know, they get started to dance. First off, they start doing the boring white person dance. You know, I mean, we all do it. All of us white people do. We can't dance all that much. Then it cuts to a slow dance. Honestly, I like the slow dance stuff because that's when I can actually, you know, actually do some better stuff. I'm terrible freestyle dancing on my own. Right. Um, so I get it. So anyway, they cut to a slow dance. Uh, it's the song Turn Me On by Nora Jones. I'm just sitting. Come on home and turn me on. But they get close and they start dancing. And Carl later drives her home. Um, at the door, they begin to kiss. And then they're going to do more. And we get a very cute, I think another like trailer shot of Sarah, who kind of goes, needs a second, goes around, literally just around like the corner. And we see her do like a quick little happy dance to get the happy energy out. <laughs> and then she uh, comes back and they're going to get started on some sexing. And so she get they get up there, they get started, get going. And then her phone rings and she answers and she mentions, no, I'm not doing anything busy. Yes, it takes it. It's, it's getting in the way. You know, you can tell she's talking to someone with mental issues just because of how she's responding to stuff. Um, we find out it's her brother and you know, feels the need to take care of him and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and so when that conversation's done, they try to get started again, but then another call comes in from the brother. And so she has to answer that. And it's just, the night's obviously not going to happen with Carl. Can I ask you, were you as surprised as I was the first time we saw this movie that Laura Linney actually took her top off? Yeah, I was it, not expecting to see uh, her because she's I mean, she's a name and it's yeah. like, oh, well, that's Laura Linney boobs right there. I'm, I yeah. approve. I, I was sh- shocked like it. It seemed honestly more than any other set of boobs in this film. I mean, not that there are that many. There's only a, a couple couple. It yeah. seemed like the more artistic choice for mm. her to do that than any other sure. one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Was a surprise. <clears throat> Pleasant surprise, I'll say. Mm <laughs> I'm a creep. So, all right. At uh, at Harry and Karen's home, um, basically, Karen warns Harry about Mia. You know, just be careful about that one. Um, so she can kind of tell. She saw them dancing on the floor earlier. So uh, Sarah goes and visits her brother, who obviously does have some kind of mental issues, but also, which also kind of lean to violence. And you can kind of see it's something that she's had to deal with with him for a while. You know, she knows how to try to calm him down she like stops his arm when he's almost about to hit her at one point Um, but you just kind of you feel sad for her because he's a burden that is obviously getting in her way of having a quote-unquote normal life if you will Mm -hmm. so but she cares for him and she wants to try and still be there for him so that's good 
uh, Harry goes out for Christmas shopping and Mia asks him uh, if he'll be getting her something. And so he kind of calls her while he's walking and she wants something pretty. So, all right. Harry meets up with his wife, Karen, and they go to a department store. They split up for a little bit. And so Harry goes to a jewelry counter to buy something pretty for Mia. And the salesperson is Rowan Atkinson. (laughs) And uh, who very humorously takes forever at this gift wrapping of this necklace, this kind of thing. He's just adding on all this stuff where Harry just wants to get it secretly and put it in his pocket and leave. Um, So... All that take it's just it's a funny scene. I like it. I love Rowan Atkinson. Um, he's he's just like I don't know. When I think of British comedy, he's one of the first names I think of. Yes, absolutely. And so it's good. It's good to see him in this movie. So. If you've never seen his uh, his two two of his stand up things, the Invisible Drum Set uh, is a hilarious one. Oh, I think I have. And seen then that. there's the one where he plays the devil. Uh, oh, I'm who's, not. Okay, who's, I don't remember who's, that one. Uh, uh, welcoming people into hell that both of those are hilarious standups and, and worth watching okay i'll check that one out so um karen though uh kind of comes in and so uh abort mission harry has to abort <laughs> mission right now so he'll figure out the necklace later and apparently richard curtis told Ron atkinson to like elongate everything so that so that alan rickman would actually start to get frustrated how long the scene was taking <laughs> oh that's good <laughs> i like that all right. Uh, so now it's one week to Christmas. Colin goes to see his friend uh, before he goes out to America, which he brings a big travel bag full of condoms. He says it's just funny. Uh, we then see Jack ask Judy out. So yay, good for him. Uh, they're in their awkward situation. They're gonna try something. Um, Sam still practicing, and Karen notices a jewelry box in Harry's coat after he gets home. One day, oh, and she's obviously assuming that this uh, necklace that she just saw is going to be a present for her. Oh, my. And so, all right. Uh, Jamie also then is starting to practice Portuguese and Colin leaves for America. All right. All this is going on. Uh, He gets to Wisconsin and he just wants to go to an average American bar. And at this average American Wisconsin bar are some of the most gorgeous women, (laughs) (laughs) period. But I guess that's just average America. So this one, uh, the first one, Ivana uh, Milicevic, Milicevic, or Milicevic, I'm not sure. Um, She's gorgeous. She's been in a couple different things. I actually remember her from Seinfeld. Um, Ah. She had an episode, but she's been in plenty of things. Uh, The second lady who comes by is January Jones, also gorgeous. Yeah. And then the third is Alicia Cuthbert. Who was you know huge around this time actually with like the girl next door and other stuff like that? I kind of expected her to have a longer career than she did. She kind of disappeared. It was like five years and she was out. Yeah, it was weird. Mm-hmm. It was. Yep. Uh, so, uh, but it's it's going really well. They love his accent and they invite him to their place. Oh, but only one problem: they only have one bed and they all sleep in the <laughs> nude. Part of me, and, and he's okay with it. And they mentioned, oh, but and Harriet's gonna come come back. We have a fourth person, and uh, but she's the sexy one. When I when I watched this, and I know for like the first time, I thought it was gonna be a gag that Harriet was actually like, you know, a big hideous ugly one. But no, Harriet's not. No. Uh, but yeah, it's all it's all going very well for him, and so Absolutely. he's gonna have himself an awesome night of fun. We kind of see some silhouettes as he's getting stripped by the ladies, and he is. 
gonna enjoy his night. And apparently on the day that they shot that scene, he returned his check and he said he didn't think it was fair that he got paid for so much fun for basically 21 hours of, or however many hours it was took them to shoot them, like stripping his clothes off him. So, uh-huh. well, good for him. <laughs> good for him. Um, we're about, I think two nights before Christmas or something like that. Uh, Karen and Harry pick one present to open. She picks a uh, gift. For, she picks Harry's gift for her thinking it's going to be the jewelry box. But what is it instead? Oh, it's a CD from Joni Mitchell. And she's heartbroken, mm-hmm. realizing that the jewelry must have been for someone else. And we uh, get a very quick shot of Mia with the necklace. And so we as an audience know for sure. And Karen steps away. Great little scene here. Emma Thompson, great actress. You know, she just kind of breaks down, is crying in her room yeah. to herself. Um, as the song Both, si- Both Sides Now by Joni Mitchell plays. I've looked at love from both sides now From give and take And still somehow it's love Very emotional scene. Yeah. Uh, very wonderfully done. So, um, But she also has to pick herself up because they have to go to a play. So yeah, so it is Christmas Eve um, and they have to go to this big nativity play that yeah. there are uh, that all these big schools are doing so we get a uh, funny cute scene scene of sam and daniel talking sam asks about daniel's love life he's like oh i've been you've been so focused on mine what about your love life part of me is like it's only been like probably what four weeks five weeks since your wife died right it's a bit early to you know be talking about other stuff but you know it's uh they joke about different things, and he jokes that, you know, oh, you know, if I do marry Claudia Schiffer, uh, then you're going to be kicked out. And, you know, because we're going to want to have sex in every room, and definitely yours as well. So, <laughs> haha. It's just kind of funny. They're, they have a cute relationship. It's one of those relationships in the movies where the kids are, they are um, talked to like adults. Right. <laughs> so, Billy Mack gets the number one song for Christmas. Mm. So, everything's going well for Billy Mack. All right. And Jack and Judy had a date, but you know, we see them at the end of their date and he doesn't go in for the kiss at first. He's kind of nervous a little bit. She does though. Um, But I do think it's kind of funny that he didn't go in for the kiss because they've seen each other naked. They've been, you know, having to touch each other naked thanks to the movie. And so it's just kind of funny slash cute that, you know, he's still awkward after all that right the compromising positions that they've been in together but but he's they're super happy about it and the date's going well so all right uh jamie goes home to see his family and i think i saw that asshole brother he was back back there and that has always bothered me like why would he have gone back knowing his brother was like did he forgive his brother like this is again it's only been a couple weeks i know (laughs) yeah it's been less than a month. Like, no, I don't think that that is enough time to forgive your brother. But yeah, he was going to go with them. Also, uh, but then mm-hmm. wh- knowing what had happened, why were the parents surprised when he turns around and leaves? Even though exactly. why he left was for a completely different reason, yeah. they should not have been surprised by this. <laughs> no, no, uh, not at all. So, but I do. I want to call out. I like the lines from the little nieces or the nephews and whatnot. Like. I hate Uncle Jamie. I hate Uncle Jamie. 
because he's leaving. It's just right. cute. Brit- kids in British accents are, are ten times more adorable. <laughs> that's just how it goes. Okay. So, you don't think that cute British accents are... They're, they're adorable. Uh, that's cute. Yeah. Uh, so, he heads to the airport. All right. Carl talks to Sarah, but can tell, honestly, that nothing's going to come yeah. from the other night. Like, they're... It's just... It's done. Their relationship or whatever that is, yeah. is done. It's not going to happen. Uh, Mark then goes to the door of Juliet and Peter's place. And here we get... This is a classic and oft-parodied scene, the signboard scene. Mm-hmm. But it is a pretty cringy scene it is. when you think about it. So it, I, I wouldn't say it's aged well. Like the, as the, the more of an, when you're a hopeless romantic, like you know, kid or something, you see this, like, oh my god, that's so cute. And then you think about it when you're older, like, you know what? Just leave her alone, man. This is yeah. your, your, one of your best. This is your best friend's wife. <clears throat> like, just you know, whatever. Also, her eventual response has never really sat well with me no no not at all it doesn't make any sense why would she why there's no way that she's had feelings like this for him because he hasn't treated her very nice he's very he's been very cold we've established that she he's never warmed to her so why would she all of a sudden feel the need to run out and kiss him yep exactly it feels it feels like i i it makes it more confusing as to what kind of message are you sending him. Right. Like, they're trying to play it off as a goodbye kiss, kind of. Right. But, honestly, this guy just poured his heart out, and he got a kiss out of it. He probably, instead of being, he has the line to himself, enough, that's enough, as if he's going to have closure. But, honestly, he just got a kiss. He probably would go double boner town, you know? <laughs> Wouldn't that make more sense, that he's probably more invested now? Yeah. Um, it's strange. Yeah. I, I agree. I did not like the kiss. I also, he got very lucky that she didn't, like, look through the people or say, oh, hi, Mark, right. really quickly. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, all of that makes, would have very likely happened. Right. But whatever. But yeah, the, I, I wholeheartedly with you. The goodbye kiss was strange. Mm. But he gets his own weird closure out of it. And him saying enough to himself is like, okay, I guess he's moved past her. So, yeah. all right. But that's also, yeah, why I just don't care for this scene as much. It just seems very unbelievable. Right. And it, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't conclude in a, I feel like a realistic manner. So, all right. Uh, Billy Mack had, was invited to a party from Elton John. And he left. To go see his manager, Joe. He realized at Christmas he needs to be near the people that you love. So he wants to be with Joe. I do love the manager's line. Ten, minute, uh, ten minutes at Elton John's and you're as gay as a maple. <laughs> so he's... But he's... No. And I do love... I love that they add this relationship in there. Yeah. Because it's an important aspect to know that love is not always romantic love. You know, right. these guys have a family kind of love, a brotherly love. Right. You know, for how much spend the time, how much time they spend with each other, that it's not like, no, Billy Max not want to engage in romantic stuff with Joe. He just, he realizes, hey, man, I, I fucking love you. And yeah. I want to let you know that. Yeah. So. All right. The prime, mis- prime minister goes through some Christmas letters and finds one from Natalie. And she, in it apologized for the incident with the president and said, no, that's not what she meant or wanted. And I'm actually yours. Uh, so this helps motivate him to go out and find her. And so again, jump for your love plays uh, while he's going to go out and find her. And he, they head to an area that he thinks she'll be at, 
but she's not sure which home. And so he starts knocking on doors and we get some cute interactions between different people, which I would still say, I refuse to believe that it would have, he would not have taken very long to find her address. It would have been in the employee records. It probably would have taken the person not that long to find out what it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. He absolutely could have pulled her W2 or whatever they use in England. Very easily could have gotten that information for like one call. He goes, Hey, I need you to find, you know, that person who used to work for us like a week ago, well, it's her address. Yeah. Boom, done. Uh, but, oh, well. So he finally gets to the right door, and there's a bunch of people there. And I do like her walking down the, the steps. Where the fuck is my fucking couch? And just <laughs> it ties back into kind of her potty mouth from earlier. Mm-hmm. And he meets all the family right there. They're all late for this big school play, the same nativity play that other people are going to. And he says, you know what? I'll give you all a lift. And it's cute. The octopus obviously there was an octopus at the nativity right. as well as a lobster and right. other stuff but so they're driving them there and she starts to tell him that she's actually you know has feelings for him but then they get to the school really quickly uh, natalie does invite him in uh, but they're gonna have to use the back way in to get in because he obviously he doesn't want to take away from the kids you know right. everywhere he goes which makes sense becomes a thing because he is the prime minister right so yeah so as i mentioned a lot of different characters are kind of like coming together for this play in the movie. It's kind of what ties them together. Uh, Karen sees her brother David there in the back. And so she's just, you know, she's been dealing with a lot of emotion stuff with fucking Harry, you know, being an asshole. And so, so she's just very happy to see him. And the play begins with some awful music. The kids singing a Christmas song I've never heard of or whatever it was. Uh, Then it's time for Joanna to perform and Sam will be playing drums. And again, here, I'm like, wait a minute. You started drumming in two weeks. Now, John, in your expert, in your expertise, is two weeks enough to learn? Now, I know he's not, he's playing like a kid's part, but would that even be that be enough to understand reading music or what it what you need to be a drummer for on stage? No, two weeks even wouldn't be enough for a regular kid who had been playing a few years to rehearse that song to play yeah. it as well as he did. <laughs> Because, yeah, he didn't, I didn't see a music stand. He would have had to, he had it memorized. He had it memorized. Yeah. Two weeks was not even close to the amount of time. And you, and you teach kids music. Yes. And so you know very well. Yes. So, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. But anyway, there you go. She sings the song. She does a great job. Um, I think that was actually her voice. I think that actress could actually sing. And I think that was her voice for the song. Mm-hmm. Um, she does point, all they want for Christmas is you. She points to Sam, and then she kind of points, and you, and it points to other people out in the crowd, and Sam, you can tell, gets a little peeved about that, because he wants he wants her, not <laughs> not everyone else. So, But while that song is going on, the Prime Minister and Natalie start to kiss backstage, and once the song's done, the curtains open, because there was something else back there to see, like a big Merry Christmas sign or mm-hmm. whatever it was, and everyone gets to see the Prime Minister and Natalie making out in front of everybody so uh-oh now he just kind of has to go with it they got they got found out and somehow so. the curtain puller didn't notice that those two were standing there <laughs> yeah or maybe sure. they did and he was like well check this out boom yeah didn't care maybe he voted for the other guy <laughs> <laughs> i don't know all right uh after the show karen lets harry know that she knows about the necklace that he gave to someone else so she kind of confronts him and it's just a very tough for their relationship and so she lets him know about it um daniel is excited for sam after the show sam didn't think it went well he wasn't able to tell joanne about it so he's like all right 
it didn't impress her enough, you know, to get to know him. So he, Daniel tells him, hey, go tell her. Go let her know in person. Just go tell her your thoughts. Let's go get the shit kicked out of us by love is the line. <laughs> so then Daniel gets bumped into by a fellow parent played by Claudia Schiffer. <laughs> so my only here's my thought is it's established that Claudia Schiffer is a person in this universe. Right. Does this person know that they look exactly like Claudia Schiffer? It's unclear. <laughs> unclear. Sorry, it's not it's not addressed, but all right. All right, so Sam misses the opportunity to tell Joanna before she leaves for the airport, so they're going to go after her. They're going to try and tell her right at the airport, and they go this other route. I don't know why they didn't just follow the car, right. and then the second she got out to get their bags from the car, just boom, pop out and tell her there, but whatever. That's not as dramatic. All right. So, all right, then we also see Jamie goes to see Aurelia. He goes to her house, finds her father, who he has, you know, in his kind of broken Portuguese, he asks for... He's going to ask for his daughter's hand in marriage. It's the wrong daughter, which is this large, you know, ugly looking one, um, if you will. Uh, it's a fun little play on a line that Aurelia said earlier, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't really eat too much. If you saw my daughter or if you saw my sister, you would know. Ha ha ha. So I didn't realize how many fat jokes there were in this movie. Yeah. So that, anyway. did, that part didn't age well. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, so they start walking over to where Aurelia is working at a restaurant. And the whole town starts to come behind him as well. So, meanwhile, also music is starting to get going. Sam and Daniel are rushing through the airport. Uh, so Sam has to run for it, you know, to get through one area. Has a little help from the jewelry counter guy who pops in right at the same, right at this time. Kind of distracts so Sam can get through, um, unknowingly so, it seems. But, hey, happenstance works perfectly. <laughs> and then Sam runs through the... Uh, um, metal detectors where the TSA people are and dramatically is running through the airport. S- music is swelling. I don't know if he even checked what gate she was at, but he just right. knew instinctively where she was. Love finds a way. <clears throat> yes. But the music is working really well for me right here. I mean, and this is, this is score and this is really good. We get a little homage to the graduate as he sees her kind of through glass and he kind of bangs on it and you see him say Joanna, but you don't hear anything uh, very much a graduate moment there. Meanwhile, Billy Mac's naked performance that we knew was going to be happening is on TV. And so other <laughs> people are watching it, which gets uh, them distracted. So it helps Sam get slide by again. So then he can go up to Joanna and tell him, tell her how he feels. Uh, but just as he's pretty much about to uh, TSA people, come to try and take him away we, he gets back to daniel and we gotta see the hey thumbs up i was able to tell her and then apparently joanna followed him gives him a kiss and she heads back to her flight uh and victory yay <laughs> he got to tell her and maybe she likes him too so we cut to portugal and again music is going jamie tells aurelia in horribly broken portuguese how he feels and that he wants to marry her reveals that and she reveals that she's been learning english uh you know as she responds in english so oh they they were working towards each other anyway and they embrace and then beatles the beatles song god only knows plays as we get some little kind of enders to Uh, everybody's stories um, beach boys oh the beach boys sorry yeah beach boys 
As we get some enders to people's different storylines at the airport arrival area, Jamie and Aurelia are meeting with the friends Peter, Mark, and Juliet there. Can tell Karen and Harry's marriage is... Well, you know, you're going to left a little bit ambiguous. It's kind of hard to tell right. if, at the best, the marriage... Maybe not the best, but, you know, in the slightest, the marriage is at least scarred. Right. And they're going to try to work through it at the kind of most harsh... She, it's going to be done. Right. So, but you, you can tell there's something, there's issues there, of course, yeah. that they're going to have to figure out. And Daniel, uh, who has now got the Claudia Schiffer mom, <laughs> is with him too. So they're starting dating again a month after your wife died. Right. I don't think I'd be ready to start dating a month after yeah. my wife dies. That's just, that I'm, you know what? I'm not being too judgy. But that might just be just a little, a little too soon for me. Yeah, it's a little judgy. I'm not saying you have to wait like a whole year or whatnot or what or more than that or anything. You know, everyone's grieves on their own time. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, hell, we know from when our dad passed a month after passing, you're still dealing with shit. Yeah. You're still dealing with like bank stuff or other stuff like there's there's paperwork yeah. that still has is happening. So it's still very much on the mind. So. Um, all right. And then. uh Oh, yeah. We also see very quickly Jack and Judy have gotten together and they're doing well. Uh, and then Colin comes out and he's done very well. He brought Harriet with him. We see who Harriet is. Shannon Elizabeth, who was definitely another it girl at this time after American Pie and whatnot. And she brought her sister, Carla, who is Denise Richards. Yep. So another classic American hottie. And she comes over and right right away makes out or kisses Tony, his friend. That's his friend's name, yep. Tony. And just, they're very forward, these Americans. So, uh, and then Natalie also rushes to go kiss the prime minister in the middle of everyone. She's not very, I'd say not being very graceful or whatnot, but that's that's her style. And mm-hmm. that's what why the prime minister loves her. <laughs> so we kind of end with a montage of people at the airport, kind of how we started. People greeting each other. And it turns into a collage. And then the heart you see within the collage and that's the end as the then the song trouble with love by kelly clarkson and that is the end of love actually and there's so many scenes and this is definitely one of the longer breakdowns of yeah. just a lot of me talking right there right um but we do our scene by scene breakdowns. Let's talk this movie, John. Give me your thoughts. I've I love this movie. Uh, it it was it's one of the few romantic comedies that I'm kind of not necessarily proud to admit, but that I'm really will watch um, without an issue. First of all, completely stacked cast of wonderful <laughs> actors. I kind of really like how there are so many stories going on and how they kind of go in. Uh, maybe maybe I got a little bit of ADHD in me and I, I have no problem like just jumping from one uh-huh. story to the other. But I love this one and I would show this one to my children if it weren't for the several nude scenes that kind of pop mm-hmm. up. And actually, while my wife and I were rewatching this, my daughter did come in to ask a question <laughs> when one of the uh, Martin Freeman scenes came up and she just kind of went and walked in, looked up and went, ew. And we're like, yes, ew, get out. <laughs> so, so, so uh, I, I love this movie. Um, it's got its flaws, but I mean, any movie from that time is 
sometimes just has some kind of cringy issues with it. I mentioned that the one storyline I found to be a little bit too cringy, but overall, I- I'll watch this movie anytime. Yep. Uh, I am right there with you. Uh, it's a very cute film. The more I watch it, the more as an adult, um, you know, and breaking it down, it definitely, you know, you recognize some of the faults, as you mentioned, that there are some things in the writing. It's like, well, that's just not believable. Mm-hmm. But also it's a movie. You right. Know, you're going to see things that are not believable. That's part of movies. And some stuff is cringier than, you know, you kind of remembered. And um, but the themes are great. The idea of just love, you know, I, I very much appreciate that. It's very great. It's one of my favorite romantic comedies. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. It's a, it's one. Yeah. I, and I don't have to watch it at Christmas. And so, and I, well, what I also really want to call out is yes. Yeah, so yeah, things edit, things move very well, but it's got great editing. Yeah. I already mentioned a couple of those auditory transitions, but they use that very often. And just in general, things work really well editing wise. And I think story wise that things flow really well. Um, and I also really, really appreciate a lot of the stuff seem fantastical and unbelievable, mm-hmm. but also, not every one of these relationships worked out. Sarah and Carl don't work out. Harry and Karen have their marital issues. Yep. Shit happens. And not every relationship is going to be tied off with a perfectly, you know, Rowan Atkinson, you know, tied bow with <laughs> potpourri in it and shit. Um, and so I like that. It adds a little speck of realism yeah. in an otherwise, you know, some unbelievable stuff. And I really, really respect that. It get, you know, get some authenticness to it. So, so yeah, overall love actually fantastic movie. You know, I, I know some people aren't the biggest fan of it, but I would recommend just giving it another try. All right, don't worry, guys. If you thought that movie thing was really long, don't worry. Our TV stuff is going to go <laughs> real fast. I can almost promise it. We are going to talk Love Connection. Uh, this is a dating game show in total. It had 14 seasons, 2,148 episodes in syndication. It had two short-lived revivals. So the different hosts of Love Connection from 1983 to 1994 was Chuck Woolery. Uh, I didn't realize this. Chuck Woolery was the original host of Wheels, Wheel of Fortune. Ah, from 75 to 81, he was the host of Wheel of Fortune. Uh, and then there was contract disputes. I think he wanted more money, and they mm-hmm. said, fuck off. Uh, and so then they got um, Pat Sajak uh-huh. after that. Uh, and then also Chuck Wooler. I remember from Lingo. That was a, I really liked Lingo. From I the- really liked Lingo. It was a good game. I, think, that, I yeah. think it's still on with a different host now. I think so, too. All right. And then uh, the first kind of revival was 1998 to 99 with Pat Bullard. Um, he's actually more known for producing. I didn't really recognize him as a host or anything like that. He was a producer on the show Reba and Last Man Standing and mm. Grace Under Fire. Okay. So he was a but a, a one season host for this show. And then in 2017 to 2018, there was another revival. So for two seasons with a guy named Andy Cohen. He has a show, Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. Um, he's also a producer and the host of multiple Real Housewives shows. Right. So he's done a whole host stuff. So so the basics of this show, a guest comes on, they choose between three different picks mm-hmm. of who to go on a date with. And they've I, by the time they've come on the show, they've already had the date. So the guest comes on and talks about the date while the other, the datee, 
is also there, but on a screen. They don't have them come for right. some reason out. They have them talk on a screen, even though they are there in studio. Right. <laughs> they it's have live. them up on a big screen. And so, and the whole kind of fun of it is you're kind of getting the insides of how the date went. And so sometimes, you know, it's going really well and they're like being very flirty and they're talking about like, oh yeah, yeah, she let me, you know, she bit my neck that night or <laughs> what other weird stuff or, right. you know, uh, or they did not have a good date. And this is where a lot of the also fun comes in and they start bickering and complaining about each other. And, you know, they really dig into that stuff. And I just got to say, boy, does this throw you back between all the hairstyles yeah. and the the clothes it was like holy shit what a little time capsule this this show is yeah the the episode i watched was from like 1991 and that was mm-hmm. the first thing i noticed was everyone's hairstyle and clothing God, I, I i always forget how popular the mullet really was <laughs> i just you're not you wrong. know i I, do, I didn't think it was that, you know, you hear about the mullet and I think redneck. Right. But every fucking, you go back and watch like this show, everyone had a fucking mullet yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So uh, by the end of the conversation, basically the audience gets to vote. You know, they voted previously. The, the audience saw the three and they voted, oh, who do you think, you know, would be best for the date? And so now they reveal after the, the, the guest and the date person have talked about their date. They reveal what the audience voted for, and if and the uh, person can pick, you know, if they pick the same person, uh, then they they will take them out on another date. Or if the if the audience picked a different person, then the guest gets to choose. Oh, I will go on a date that time, and then they'll might be brought back on the show right. later. You know, if the date didn't go well the first time. So, uh, the show was actually one of the bigger game show hits of the 80s and early 90s and actually helped to revive Chuck Woolery's hosting career. Mm. I do remember watching this. What do you remember uh, from Love Connection when you were younger? I don't know that I remember much from it. I do remember watching it. I watched this. I watched um, I watched The Dating Game, um, mm. which I, I want to say Chuck Woolery also did a hosting stint on, but I can never remember if it was exactly him or not. Maybe they just kind of all run yeah, together. He might, he might have done a little bit, but... It, that was uh, I know that, oh, what's that guy there was saying? an older version that I don't he that was a different person yeah um, but I for some reason I had in my head that that Woolery also had a stint maybe in the 90s where he did uh, some but I mean I could just be conflating two different people um, I didn't yeah. watch it too much oh, yeah. I, I, I just typed in the dating game and Chuck Woolery's name did pop up so okay. he might have hosted on the dating game for some bit yeah okay Oh, no, the newlywed game. That's what I was thinking of, the newlywed game. Oh, okay, the newlywed game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I I would watch this on occasion when it was on. I, we, we were all big fans of game shows, so we watched all different types of game shows, including this one. Uh, but it was not a regular one that I watched. I'm with you. I mean, it would show up, and if it was, you know, if we were watching it, fine. It's funny enough, um, but it was not often. Mm-hmm. So, but it, but it was there. It was around, you know, I remember it from my childhood. So, and there's no like through lines. There's nothing else much to talk about too much. I guess I'll say at the end of the show's original run, um, after 11 seasons, it was stated that there had been 35,478 taped interviews in total. Mm. 
Uh, this was after the original run. 2012, 2000 and, 2,120 episodes, 31 marriages, and 20 children. Wow. Came from this show. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yep. And also, Woolery, uh, Chuck Woolery created his trademark phrase, we'll be back in two and two. Uh, partly in this, like in this, and then also the show Scrabble. I think it said, okay. but I, I remember him having that. I get it because that was like the time it took, basically, for commercial breaks were two minutes, two seconds. It was like that included the fade in, fade right. out time or whatever. I never cared for that <laughs> phrase, but sure, <laughs> whatever. Whatever. I'm gonna get started. Do you have anything else to talk about the show? Because I don't. No, there's nothing else to talk about it. No. And holy fuck, the show was boring. To rewatch, it I, was. I, I watched one episode. It's it's not as there's no real game show aspect to it. It's literally you're just watching people talk, right? It's more of a talk show. Like, oh hey, we went on a date and let's talk about it. You know, yeah, maybe some of there was some interesting stuff that happened, but there was like no game show aspects. Like at least like the newlywed game or the dating game, they felt like a game. You know, like yeah, a person they were either trying to match answers or you know someone was back behind and t- interacting a little bit better and, you know, trying to score points to get the date or other stuff. It all depended on if the people were interesting or their connection or lack thereof connection sparked some kind of fun. And overall, I think it was a bad format for a show. I'm surprised it lasted as long as it did because it's literally right. just them talking and it's just not that interesting of a show. And yes, we have the the connection of love for this, but like, I don't think this show needs to be revived. It's 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 a weaker version of the dating game. I completely agree. I found it very very cringy, very boring to watch. And I, I as I was watching it, my thought was, how did I actually enjoy this <laughs> yeah. as a child? Yeah, because we watched it definitely. Yeah. So yeah, I really don't have anything else to add on that. Moving on. <laughs> This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... You want to give him something for Valentine's Day that he'll treasure forever? Then give him yourself. All wrapped up in glamorous color portraits from Glamour Shots High Fashion Photography. It's the hottest Valentine's gift idea in years. He'll love your beautiful portraits, and you'll have fun too. Your Glamour Shots photo session includes a complete makeover, hairstyling, wardrobe selections, 12 to 15 poses, and instant viewing of your color video proofs. Call today for an appointment. It's the perfect Valentine's gift. All right, we're going to do the casting portion of the show. We're going to cast a portion of Love Actually. <laughs> yes. Uh, this honestly, if we had wanted to, we could have cast the whole thing, but that would have been a whole episode unto itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the amount of characters that were in here, I tried to kind of stick to kind of the main relationships. Um, some of the ancillary ones, I kind of uh, didn't bother with yeah. if there wasn't a lot of screen time or something like that. Uh, so we will do the Prime Minister and Natalie, Daniel and Sarah. Sarah's relationship with Carl was big, but Carl doesn't spend a lot of time on screen. Yeah. So I was like, it was more important to get Sarah in there uh, just for her interaction with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Also, I didn't really want to bother redoing Sam the Kid, so I didn't put that on there no, either. I appreciate that one. Billy Mack, uh, Jamie, Karen, Harry, Mark, and Juliet. So we'll start with Juliet, and uh, I kind of we kind of had to do this casting kind of fast. Mm-hmm. So 
I kind of didn't think about it too much. I just kind of went with my gut instinct of sometimes one to ones type things. Like, oh well, this is pretty much here to here. Um, I picked uh, a young lady who actually I think might be in her thirties now, um, but and I also think actually might have said that she's retired from acting, but I could be wrong. Maybe I just heard that wrong. Uh, I actually went with Emma Watson. Oh, okay. I I think she's a good fit. I think she's a very good fit. Okay. Yeah. I I. I yeah, I think that's a, that's absolutely. I, I see. That. I didn't think of her at all, but I think that's a, fits really well. Okay, who'd you so, go with? Yeah, and I think she is in her. I think she. I think they're in their early thirties. Um, yeah. yeah, I also went very one to one. I usually like to think about like, okay, how can I make you know, especially like for a thing like this, a little bit more diverse or something like that. Right. I'll just straight up say I didn't. My mind. I just kind of went fast and just say, hey, first name, boom, throw it in there. Um, my Juliet. Okay, so Kira Knightley. I went with someone who has a very similar face to Kira Knightley, and she's also been in Star Wars, and she's you know a young Star Wars right now. Daisy Ridley is who I went with. Juliet, ah, uh, that totally makes sense. Yeah, that she does seem exactly like kind of a young Kira Knightley. Just just in her when she got cast for Star Wars, I was like, wow, they just went with a younger fucking Natalie Portman because <laughs> Natalie Portman and Kira Knightley and Daisy Ridley all have like the same face. <laughs> right. No, that that's a that's a. That's a straight on pick. I like that. <laughs> okay. I like that choice. Uh all right. Uh Mark. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Mark. Uh who did you pick for Mark? Again, I went with a yeah, uh right in that kind of I think young thirties uh actor who's British and he's good looking and he's done plenty of stuff. I went with Aaron Taylor Johnson. I've I've used him many times, but mm-hmm. he is my mark. Okay. I totally see that. Good actor. Yeah. No problems with that. Okay. Uh, the actor I picked, I'm starting to look just now, just double check. I'm pretty sure, uh, he is, uh, he's in his thirties. Okay. He's in his thirties. He was born in 89. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's fine. At first I was like, well, maybe he was too old, but no, no. I went with Nicholas Holt. Oh yeah. 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 I can see that. I can also see him for another role in this one. Uh, but maybe okay. not, but I absolutely see him fitting for Mark. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I like that. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, Harry. Um, you know it's it's uh, it's Alan Rickman. It's hard to do. I ended up with going with an actor who I think is a little bit younger than Alan Rickman was when he did this role. Um, and actually, who I picked for Karen is probably older. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what made me think of this actor. Maybe it's because I've actually seen him do an impression of of uh alan rickman i was just i know where you're going but it, it he he's an actor who carries the same kind of weight i went with benedict cumberbatch yeah uh, he does he does carry the same kind of weight uh, i like that a lot that's a good call he might yeah i think, think he's maybe he seems a little bit younger but he can play he can play up age wise yeah. i think not a problem so um i went with another strong british actor i yeah i've seen him play a lot of different stuff he could do some villain stuff he could, not that you need a villain, but Harry's somewhat of a villain, but I could see mm-hmm. him doing it. Anyway, I went with Paul Bettany as my Harry. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like Paul Bettany. Right. Cool. Cool. Uh, uh, Karen, who'd you go with for Karen, Harry's wife? Yep. Uh, so Harry's wife, she Emma Thompson, hard to beat the acting chops of Emma Thompson. Right. But I did go with a very strong actress. She might have won an Oscar. I'm trying to think if this actress did. Um, I could look it up but I'm too lazy to. Um, and maybe I was lost in uh, in with casting her because 
I also just saw her in the movie within the movie because they watched Titanic. I went with Kate Winslet as my Karen. Adam, I also went with Kate Winslet, and I did not make the connection that she was in oh. Titanic. I got there completely separately. I went. I was going through a list of British actresses, uh-huh. and I'm like, "Oh, Kate Winslet. That's a that's a. Yeah. She's not she's not Emma Thompson, but she's a strong actress, yes. and I think it works. So that's that worked out really well. Hey, Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, Jamie. Uh, who'd you pick for Jamie? So yeah, Jamie. You know, he's kind of. I don't know if innocence the right word, but you know, he just naive, got, maybe? Naive. I like that. I like that. Okay. Naive is good for Jamie. And Colin Firth kind of plays that pretty well. Uh this guy, well, this actor, I've seen him, I think, play something somewhat similar, but I've also seen him play all different types of stuff. He's a fantastic actor. I went with James McAvoy as my Jamie. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Okay. I could see that. The guy I went with actually is much older. Uh, I think I've I've aged up my Jamie. Not that okay. that really means anything, because no. love is love at any age, so it shouldn't matter. But an- I went with another actor who kind of kind of gave me the same similar <sighs> vibes as Colin Firth. Although this actor has never played the leading man quite like you know Colin mm. Firth has. And actually, he's both known. He's known in the U.S. for more of a dramatic TV series he was on, but he was mostly known in the in the U.K. For his comedy series, I went with Hugh Laurie. Oh, okay, okay. I like. Yeah, you're right. Hugh Laurie. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It was it stuff that he did with Stephen Fry. It was. Yeah, it was Laurie and Fry. They had like a comedy duo mm-hmm. that they did for a long time. Yeah, I like. I, I never really watched House, but I've heard great things about it, and I like. I like Hugh Laurie as an actor. I watched House for a while until I realized how uh, completely formulaic everything uh. was. Where like the same thing happened slightly differently in every uh-huh. episode and was like okay I'm, I'm i'm already bored of this i got about three seasons in and i was mm-hmm. like oh this is good but i i can't continue anymore gotcha no i mean it's uh it's an interesting i can see the definitely an aged up but i i like Hugh Laurie, so i'm cool with this yeah uh, all right billy mack uh this was a tough one i ultimately went with an actor who is not known for his comedic performances mm. which is kind of why i picked him. okay because I wanted to see him let loose and do something fun like this. Bill Nighy played this perfect to a T, yeah. and I can't see anyone else ever really kind of getting that. But I think it would be fun to see Gary Oldman try. <laughs> oh, sorry. You said Gary Oldman, and my head went to um, my head went to Gary Busey. <laughs> I, oh. I immediately Whoa. I immediately imagined Gary Busey in my head. Uh no, <laughs> Gary Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman can do literally no wrong right. and he can act his way out of a thousand paper bags. So yes. I I mean he could absolutely do it. He'd he could have fun doing it, I'm sure. Right. So. All right, who would you go with? So this is the one I think is the most my most controversial because I didn't go with someone who is very old. Um, and th- that's an okay. essential thing with Billy Mac, but th- this guy still could be very washed up. I think he has a very okay. similar energy to the Billy Mac energy. He's very British and he played, you know, he's played this actor or this character a couple times as like a rock star, British rock star person. And he's very ties into the comedy aspect of stuff. I think he would fit. And maybe if he ages himself up, maybe a little bit with makeup or I don't know, maybe, maybe he doesn't have to, he could just kind of be washed up or whatnot. I went with Russell Brand as my Billy Mac. 
Oh, for a second there, I actually thought you were going to go with Saucer Baron Cohen. He was the other person on my list to potentially okay. go with, but I ultimately thought Russell Brand is just a little bit more of a one-to-one. That He definitely, I think, uh, Russell Brand has more of that Billy Mac energy, if he, if, I think. If we could... If he was literally waiting 20 more years to do this, he'd right. be the perfect age and like, look. So, yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Uh, Sarah, played by Laura Linney, who did you pick? So, the American in the group. Right. Yeah. So, I kind of went with Laura Linney. I mean, not, Laura Linney was never really necessarily a, an America's sweetheart type of person, but she has that feel to her, I'd say. Right. Uh, and this actress does as well, and she definitely has some... I I mean I, I when I think of it, I think of it like Scrubs, but she has done some other stuff, um, definitely some romantic comedy kind of things. I went with Mandy Moore as my Sarah. Okay. Yeah. I mean she she uh, she was just, what's the one that she was just on that like has won a bunch of Emmys? Was it This Is Us? Oh, she was on that. that show? She was on. Okay, that makes sense. I, I think yeah. she was on that show. Okay. Uh, yeah, she kind of disappeared for a while. Yeah. By the way, underrated movie. Saved. If you've never seen, oh, it. I guess I have seen that. It's Macaulay Culkin is in that one with the the wheelchair. Yes, yeah, that's a that's a yep. funny dark comedy kind of movie. Yes, cool. Yeah, I like that. Okay, I like that a lot. Uh, I also went with American. I kind of kept all that stuff mm-hmm. the same. She does not look like Laura Lenny, but she is an actress who I think would do fine there. And incidentally, is married to your Harry. I went with Jennifer Connelly. Oh, okay. I didn't know that Jennifer Connelly and Paul Bettany were married. Yep, he's a lucky man. Uh, which is which is why when they switched to the female voice in the MCU, it's Jennifer Connelly. Oh, okay, that's funny. That is funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right because we when they went from Jarvis to whatever the other Friday. Thing was. Okay, I think that's is cute. Her name. I, I like that. Yep, and I like cool. I like Jennifer Connelly. I think she. And, oh, because you did you aged. Uh, wait, wait, no, no, that was you aged up Jamie. Who was Sarah's person? Sarah, uh, oh, Carl. Which Carl. Which Carl, yeah, it can be anybody. We can pull out. Who, anybody. if I was if I was going to pick, I would have picked Pedro Pascal. Uh, that, that works perfectly with Jennifer, yeah. or with Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, I think They so. would make gorgeous babies. <laughs> I know they're both probably past the time of making babies, but they would have gorgeous right. babies. Right. Yeah. I like that. That, that, would, that works very well. Okay. Uh, Daniel... Uh, this one, uh, instead of uh, making my guy Irish, mm-hmm. like Liam Neeson is, I went Scottish, okay. and I chose Ewan McGregor. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like Ewan McGregor. I mean, he's about, about he's a little bit younger than Liam Neeson, um, but he's still kind of in that older range. Actually, I think Liam Neeson's in his 70s now. I think he is, too, but yeah. Ewan McGregor, I think, is either in his 50s, I think he's in his 50s, mm-hmm. but still, that, that puts him at a... a Roughly right, right at the same age anyway, yep. so. Yeah, absolutely works. All right, who'd you go with? I went with uh, another guy. I, mean, I think my guy's English. I don't think he's, see, so yeah, I'm pretty sure he's British. But he, I don't know, I, from Liam Neeson, you know, now he's, he doesn't play like gruff Liam Neeson in this at all. He plays very fatherly, you know, kind of sweet Liam Neeson. Right. I kind of get some gruff vibes from this actor, but he's an actor, and I'm sure he plays... He can play sweet just fine. Uh, I went with Clive Owen as my Daniel. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen Clive Owen in that kind of role. No, I mean, I, I've seen him mostly in kind of gruffer things. I think that's where I made that right. connection with Liam Neeson. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, so yeah. But I like that. I like that change. Okay. 
Natalie, this is the one I actually had the hardest time finding someone for. This is the last person I cast as well. Yeah, and so I, I'll just go ahead and jump in with mine because I'm already talking about it. Um, I just kind of picked someone who I thought had a good look. I wouldn't say she has the same round face that um, I've already unfortunately forgotten that actress's name. Something McCutcheon. Something yeah. McCutcheon. Yes, um, McCutcheon. McCutcheon uh, that has, um, but she's probably about the right age, uh, and she has a famous uh, musician father. Maybe we could use that to punch up the uh, soundtrack. Uh, I went with Lily Collins, daughter of Phil oh, Collins. For daughter of Phil Collins. Okay. You know, I don't know if I've seen her in anything. Um, uh, she's been doing, she did a episode, eventually you'll get to her because she did an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm last year. Okay. Okay. And um, she's, yeah, she's 30 something right now, 30, 32 or 33 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool with this. I, I don't really, I don't really know her stuff, but yeah, she's got 27 credits. Yeah. We'll, we'll be a, yeah, she just did a. I saw her, her in Tolkien, which was about the author, J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh-huh. It's like about his life kind of like in college before he went to World War One, where he created his world of of The Hobbit and, and that stuff. And it was it was a good movie. It was by no means like a, an Oscar winner, but mm-hmm. it was a good one. But it, I think it, you know, it, it came out at, a, at a, around a time when people were only going to see movies for, you know, the spectacle of it. And so, yeah. like, when we went to go see it, there was, like, one other couple in the theater. Uh, so, yeah. But it was a good film. And she's yeah. got that TV show Emily in Paris that's uh, that's been on. Going on. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. All so, right, cool. Uh, who did, did you did you say yours? No, I haven't said mine. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Who did you pick? So I went with I think I think this actress is around that same age. She might honestly be just a little bit younger, maybe her late twenties instead of early thirties. But there was kind of an age gap between Natalie and the Prime Minister, so I think maybe it still works. She does kind of have a slightly round face, similar to. Um, the actress who played Natalie originally. Uh, and I mean, I, I really liked her every time as I've seen her and stuff. And I kind of want to see more of her in general. I went with Florence Pugh. I've picked okay. her a couple times. So, but she, you kind of see what I mean with the round yeah, face, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. I actually considered her for Juliet at one point. Oh, I, I could see that too. But, uh, no, I think, I think your, I think your placement is better for, for Florence okay. Pugh. All right. And the prime minister, who did you pick? Yeah, I had a couple in mind. You got to have someone who can be charming. Uh, right. There's the, if there's one word that I kind of associate with Hugh Grant, it's charming. And but he's also got to be old enough to work well as the brother of Karen, because they're going to be. He actually plays the older brother of Karen, mm-hmm. so they have to be kind of somewhat similar in age, at least I would assume. Um, this guy has he. I think he's got a regal-esque enough vibe about him that he could be voted into prime minister and he i think can be charming in some of the things that i've seen him and i went with jude law as my prime minister i also almost went with jude law Uh, okay i did (laughs) look at him as well almost (laughs) okay i i I almost went with jude law and i'm kind of wishing i had because i completely Uh forgot the fact that the prime minister's sister was karen Uh uh-huh and i made a change to the prime minister was the only one i did so i mean we can still run it however i don't know why i was like you know what i want to see this guy dance around the prime minister's house i went with idris elba oh okay (laughs) i would love to i would love to see him do that dance scene absolutely and now that i think about it actually i also could have seen him 
as Daniel. Absolutely could see him as a Daniel. I think he would fit very well as a Daniel. So uh, th- th- this is one of those. I mean, honestly, when I was like starting to cast, I was like, literally, I can put like so many people in these roles. It's right. not like, hey, you are the perfect for this cast because I mean, a lot of these are fairly regular type of people. Right. It's not like you know you really need to fit one thing exactly. So you could have gone absolutely bonkers with you know how you kind of change things up or right. cast so many people would be still right for these roles. Um, so yeah, actually, I, I do really like him as that. Da- saying the Daniel one, I think fits really well. Yeah, and probably putting Jude Law in as sure. uh, Prime Minister probably would have been better. But oh, that's all right. Sure. Uh, all right, that was our recasting of Love Actually. Please join us next time for a patron picked episode. We are going to be joined by golden girl james campbell as we count down our top 10 billy joel songs if you have any questions or comments you can reach us at blast at gmail.com and if you want to suggest a movie or tv show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast go over to patreon.com backslash blast and pick a tier that works for you to find us on social media search for at blast so until next time i'm john and i'm adam and thanks for joining us see you next time comic books me too hi i'm john join me over at the comics underground podcast where i invite guests to discuss their favorite comic books graphic novels manga and more go to bfopnetwork.com for more info or find me on your favorite podcatcher i'll see you there